0: Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we are co-learners on a journey to uncover stories, concepts, and themes of what makes us human. I'm Joy Bork, your travel guide for the next few moments while we explore questions, learn more about people, and follow where curiosity leads. This season, we're following my curiosity into discovering more about hope, books, pizza, gratitude, ice cream, and so much more. Today, we're zeroing in on one of my favorite human experiences, pizza. I've been in love with pizza since forever, and that love goes hand in hand with a deep love for Parmesan cheese. There's a moment that went down in history as family lore that I had to get a little help from my uncle to tell.
1: Hello, Joy. This is your Uncle Tom. I just wanted to recollect the time when we went skiing in Breckenridge. You and I are kindred spirits in many, many ways, but especially at that time on the slopes because we were pretty much equal skiers. We couldn't keep up with the expert skiers that were in the family. While they would glide down the hills like gazelles on skis, we weren't as good as the rest of them, so stopping was a big deal for us. When we got to go to lunch at the Peak 8 restaurant at Breckenridge, that was a really big deal and I remember the day that we got to go for lunch and all of us went in and I remember I was sitting to your left and I remember we both had pizza because we both loved pizza. There was a container of parmesan cheese and I looked over and you're putting parmesan cheese on it and I believe the lid came off. You had like an inch of parmesan cheese and I said something like you're going to scrape some of that off, aren't you? And defiantly, you said, no, I'm going to eat it just like this because this is the way I like it. I said, well, okay, that's what you want. That's your choice. Next thing I know, I'm looking the other way. I look back, and there's just a dust storm of cheese around you. And it appears to me like it's coming out of your nose. It's coming out of your mouth. I don't know, but... That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen at the table, and the rest of us laughed till we cried, and you were upset at first, and then you started laughing as hard as the rest of us did, and that's my favorite pizza memory ever.
0: So, there's your practical learning moment of the podcast. Don't exhale out of your nose when eating Parmesan-packed pizza. It will end up in your eyeballs, and that hurts. Pizza had its humble beginnings as simple flatbread with toppings. It originated in 6th century BC when Persian soldiers baked cheese and date-topped flatbreads on their shields. That is crazy to me. Modern tomato-topped pizza began showing up in Naples, Italy in the late 18th or early 19th century. In my research, I discovered 8 types of pizza that you can get in America, and I'm going to tell you about them real quick. Number one, Neapolitan. Originated in Naples, Italy. Has fresh toppings like tomatoes, garlic, oregano, mozzarella, and extra virgin olive oil. Takes only 70 to 90 seconds to bake in a 800 to 1000 degree Fahrenheit oven. Number two, New York Style. A spin off of Neapolitan. Is thin, foldable, and can handle lots of toppings and is cooked for about five to six minutes in a 550 degree oven. Number three, Chicago Deep Dish has a high crust, is baked in a pan, and often has toppings put on a reverse order. Start with cheese, then toppings, then tomatoes on top as a protective layer while it bakes for 35 minutes. Some Chicago pizzerias serve stuffed pizzas, which have a crust on the top of the deep dish goodness. Sicilian pizza originated in Sicily, Italy. It is a rectangular pizza with a crust that is over an inch thick. Think of a focaccia bread with toppings. If there's cheese on it, the sauce usually goes over the cheese to prevent the crust from getting soggy. Number 5. California Pizza is made of fresh, local, and seasonal produce. It is the avant-garde version of pizza. Almost anything is game. Could be thick or thin. Number 6. Detroit Pizza. It's baked in a rectangular pan, the origins of which come from spare industrial and automotive part trays from Detroit factories. The thicker crust is crispy on the bottom, tender and airy on the inside. Number 7. St. Louis Pizza is a wafer-thin, cracker-like crust that is made with just flour, olive oil, and water. It is known for being topped with Pravel cheese, a mix of provolone, Swiss, and white cheddar. It's cut into rectangle slices and can support quite a bit of toppings. Number 8. Greek pizza has a spongy, airy crust, is cooked in shallow oiled pans, which then makes the bottom almost deep-fried. It is topped with traditional Greek items like feta, spinach, and olives, and is usually heavier on the sauce than the cheese. Woo! That was fun. Now that we've got a basic mental understanding of where pizza comes from, let's dive into some fun science. I was able to interview...
2: Jeff Miller, an associate professor at Colorado State University in the hospitality management program, and I was a chef for 20-25 years before I came over to academia
0: and we dove into the basic science of glutamates and caramelization in order to understand why pizza tastes so good.
2: Glutamates in food have a real interesting effect. What it does is an amazing job of enhancing flavors. And so when these glutamates are developed in in the cooking process, they make the food taste more like what the food is. And so when it happens in something like Italian sausage, it's what gives it that big umami burst.
0: Quick side note here, this is a whole category of taste dedicated just to the flavor of glutamates.
2: And the same thing, it makes cheese taste cheesier and sausage taste sausageier. When you apply heat to sugar, it caramelizes. And when you do it to things that have that starch and that sugar, we call it caramelization. But even meat has a small amount of sugar in it. And so when meat browns, it's essentially caramelizing too, But it's a little different when you have something that's high protein, like meat, and so we call that the Malliard effect. And a lot of that good flavor is because sugars are caramelizing, but it also develops the natural glutamate that's in there Well, will. Yeah, that's why we love browning, because it essentially makes that flavor more intense.
0: When food hits around 320 degrees Fahrenheit during the cooking process, the chemical reactions that develop more flavor from the glutamates and propel the Malliard reaction can occur. Even though these are independent of each other, they can happen simultaneously if the food item being heated up has the right amount of, and the right kind of, sugars and protein to start with. There is so much amazing science behind flavor. I love every single minute of this, and I've only begun to scratch the surface. I am so glad there are people in the world that love to study this. So let's review what we've learned so far. Number one, don't blow out of your nose when eating Parmesan cheese top pizza. Number two, pizza has a long history. Number three, there are lots of varieties of pizza. Number four, flavor magic happens when the baking process activates the glutamates and the maillard effect comes into play as the pizza element brown. Wow. One of the things I have discovered that I love to do through doing research for Parks and Rewatch, the other podcast I'm on, is to challenge what the writers of the show of Parks and Recreation have asked the audience to suspend their disbelief about and just accept as normal. Andy Dwyer, one of the show's most endearing but not necessarily book-smart characters, says outright in one of the episodes, "'Sausage, onion, and peppers, scientifically proven to be the best.'" Naturally, I had to figure out if this was a valid statement. My research led me far deeper than I anticipated. I read articles, messaged pizza companies, asked questions, and eventually connected with Jeff, who we just heard from, and with Mark Malnati of Chicago's famous Lou Malnati's Pizza, who agreed to an interview— I asked him what he thought about sausage, onion, and peppers being the best.
3: Well, let's face it, a lot of it's just you know personal taste and how different flavors land on your tongue. But having said that, I think there's something to, to blending the creaminess and the butteriness of mozzarella with the, the salty, garlicky flavor of sausage that pairs so well. Most people feel like that's one of the most addictive combinations on earth. I'd say that cheese and sausage is you know, still the classic. It's still the mainstay of our business. People come because they want to taste sausage that tastes different than anywhere else in the world. No fennel, just a 90% lean pork butt with just a little bit of salt, pepper, and garlic in it. And then have it piled on your pizza people aren't accustomed to that and they get it in chicago and they fall in love with it so i think you could probably prove it scientifically that you combine those two and you eat it today you're going to want it again tomorrow
0: okay i'm starting to see how they work together well and i'm salivating so i'm still super curious if we wanted to figure out how to actually prove what toppings are the best how would the science behind this work I interviewed my food scientist friend, Jen, who gave me this super quick version
4: of what it would take to prove what toppings are the best. So, if we were going to scientifically look at a way to quantify pizza toppings to see which one would be a favorite, one way we could do that would be to use a sensory panel and do what we call a paired comparison. You would get a panel of people, typically, would need a minimum of about 70. The more people you have participate, the more accurate the numbers would be. But you would start by just tasting a piece of pizza with the topping you want to test on it. And people would rank that on a scale, of how good they think it tastes overall. They would take into consideration the texture of the pizza, the flavors of all the components together, the smell, but even the visual of that pizza. They would rank on a one to nine point scale.
0: So from there, specific elements get tested in the same way, on the same scale, gathering more specific elemental data. Once these scores are averaged out, scientists can see if there's enough of a difference to be able to say that there is indeed a statistically provable way to say which toppings would win. And don't ask me to get in the statistics,
4: because you'll lose me. That's why we have software for that.
0: Wow. Wow. I'm still mind-blown in how something that is so opinion-based has a potential of being quantified and studied. I guess that's the basis of science in so many ways. Personally, I'm not going to run any of these studies in order to prove which toppings are best, but maybe someone will someday. So the moral of this story it is potentially possible to scientifically prove the best toppings. Now you know. Okay, go ahead and take a deep breath. We're about to go into a potential conflict zone. Pizza no-no toppings. Everyone's got them. Now it's time to share them. Personally, I'ma say a hard no to anchovies and any bell peppers. But as they say, you're entitled to your opinion. I found some fascinating threads on Cora all about this and pulled the best of it to share with you. And by the best, I mean the worst. Kiwi. I don't know who would put kiwi on their pizza. It was in Sweden. Chicken noodle soup? Okay. Whale meat, ice cream, escargot, raw eggs, tinned spaghetti? Like Chef Boy Hardy? I don't know. Mayo as a sauce? Yeah, been there, done that, never subscribing again. Bananas, sushi, and finally, shrimp in octopus ink. Like, how? Yes, everyone is subject to their own opinion, but I'm a hard pass on all of these. I asked Mark what his opinion on Topping No-Nos was.
2: Uh,
3: I mean, how dare you put it on my pizza, maybe. But I, I, I don't think anything's off-limited anymore. I was more a purist in my early days and thought that when people started putting tofu and pineapple and kale and all of the sort of things like that, I thought it was sacrilegious. But I, I pulled out of that and uh, <laughs> turned around and became more open-minded. It's not something we're going to do, but I'm okay if others do it. And and my wife now is a, a big fan of, of pineapple and black olive and likes that sort of stuff.
0: My friend Alexis sent me a story of a very interesting experience she had with pizza that led to her no-no opinions.
5: February 14, 2006, in Thailand the capital of the Shaanxi province of the People's Republic of China, where me and some friends lived our first year out of college. It's Valentine's Day, and so what do we do? We find a good antidote for our homesickness, some good American food, something to break up the rhythm from our delicious homemade cuisine of Chinese food. We decide we're going all out. We get dressed up. I mean, dressed up in some of our nicest attire. We pile into a taxi and we go downtown Taoyuan, where we find that many other people had the same idea. The classic American favorite of Pizza Hut. This was before the day of popularized pizza eateries. So we had good old Pizza Hut. The wait is nearly three hours. But you know what, we don't care. We are dressed up, it is cold, we huddle together, we go into local shops while we wait the three hours, and then we get a table together, and we celebrate Valentine's Day. We notice the menu's a little different. Options we've never considered of different vegetables that were, you know, more local there in China. Even toppings such as squid, but, The seasonal favorite at that time, that night, the special was octopus pizza. You could get little tentacles drenched in cheese and grease, surrounded by other veggies on your pizza. But our group opted for just some good old American classic pizza. Pepperoni, can't go wrong, and a good old supreme. And as we shared one of our favorite foods, we also shared our love with one another and reflected on our favorite pizza places back at home. That's how I spent Valentine's Day in 2006.
0: It wasn't until researching for this episode that I realized there is so much more to pizza toppings than I ever imagined. I hesitate to say never, but I'm pretty sure I never want to eat most of the no-no toppings mentioned so far in this episode. It's now time to leave the internal cringe of the less desired toppings and move forward into goodness.
6: Here's a fun tale from our storyline. My name is Stephanie, and I'm calling from Elgin, Illinois. For me, there are so many memories that center around that wonderful mix of dough sauce, cheese, and toppings. One takes me back to elementary school summers at uh, random softball fields around the Chicago suburbs, watching my dad play 16-inch with his coworkers from the Illinois Department of Transportation. I don't remember much of those games, but I do remember going out afterwards to whatever local pizza establishment was close with the team. They would order pitchers of beer and pop and several extra-large, thin, crust pizzas cut into squares, of course. My brother and I would get a quarter or two each and get to pick out songs on the jukebox. Our favorite to pick was Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys. When the pizza came, there was a big rush to see who would get those tiny little corner triangles with the crispy brown edge and the slight bit of sauce and maybe it was a was of crispy brown mozzarella cheese. I remember laughing at the dad jokes and I remember the dark brown walls and the red vinyl seats that most of those places had. It was much more than just dinner. It was time of community and friendship around that round pizza. Community and friendship? And pizza? This
0: sounds like a 100% winning combination in my book. I pulled the Facebook crowd and got some really fun feedback about pizza. Here are a few of the responses. Tim said, What memories do I have that don't contain pizza? Steffi said, There was a time in my life where my mom was on the road every day. So when I came home after school, I was all by myself doing homework and waiting for my dad to come home after a long work day. So we often went to that one pizza place, the best pizza restaurant in town, a real Italian family business. I always ordered a large pizza with mushrooms and ham and extra cheese. So when I eat this pizza today, I still remember that special feeling which I had in that old Italian restaurant and the special time with my dad, and I really miss having those times. During my time as industrial business management assistant, I discovered the pizza Caribbean style With chicken, cheese, spring onion, and lingonberry, and pizza carbonara. During my time in Chicago, I really fell in love with deep dish pizza tomatoes, mushrooms, extra cheese, but no sausages, please. Brooke said, I hated pizza as a child. Now I prefer Sicilian pizza with pepperoni, tomatoes, and fresh basil. Julie said, I have a couple of favorites. I love Hawaiian pizza with Canadian bacon and pineapple, but I also love my homemade stuffed crust pizza with fresh sliced tomatoes and cheese. Nick said, usually with sausage, sometimes add pepperoni, occasionally cheese only, never ever with ham, onions, or pineapple. Linnaeus said, Friday was pizza night from Village Pizza. TGIF with full house, family matters, step by step. I have to agree with Kevin McAllister, and nothing is better than your own cheese pizza. Megan said, I love Lou Malnati's deep dish, but I haven't had it in a while. I also just loved the good old Little Caesars $5 hot and ready. Since not being able to eat gluten, I'm a big fan of Rosati's, but pepperoni's my favorite, no matter what. Vicky said that Lou Malnati's was a treat, an occasion, a big deal to go and have pizza at the Elk Grove Village, Illinois location. I love the recurring themes I've heard of pizza bringing us all to the table together. As Mark told me,
3: I think pizza's a fantastic meal and it's a beautiful meal to share with others. We're all having a piece of the same pie. There's something beautiful about that. And I think it incorporates and promotes family and relationship, people getting together.
0: Personally, I've found this to be true. Pizza feels like an equalizer to me. I don't know if I've ever met someone who doesn't like pizza. Even when Brooke responded on Facebook that she isn't a huge fan of pizza, she still found a variety of it that she could love. I've been at a table with both friends and pizza so many times, I can't even count. Pizza is a celebration. Pizza is nourishment. Pizza can be quick food to grab while working, it works for any meal, and pizza just is. And I love that. Pizza hits at the intersection of two important things for me, food and community. Jen shared her view on this in a way that resonated deeply with me.
4: I would argue that both are non-negotiable for life. Obviously, we all have to eat or we die. But I also believe we need community or we die. And it may not be a physical death, but as far as a spiritual and emotional death without community, there just is no life. And for me, being a geeky introvert, nothing gets me out of my shell more than talking about food or feeding people. So you can bring anyone around my table. I don't care how crazy your passions are and how vastly different they are from me. If you're around my table and I can feed you, we already have a common ground to start from. And I believe from there can just build. It just creates a safe place around the table for differences to be accepted, and for curiosity to grow, and for defenses to be down.
0: Oh my goodness. This is how I live my life. I often say that I'm horrible at giving gifts, but I will 100% show you my love through food, shared at a table, surrounded by community. I am so grateful for humans of the past who were creative, who decided that dough needed to be accentuated with the creaminess of cheese, the acidity of tomato sauce, and the glory of everything we now know could be a topping. I'm not sure where I'd be without pizza in my life. So here we are. Who knew that pizza could be so utterly fascinating? I am so thrilled with everything I learned in preparation for this episode. I want to remember, especially during the era of COVID and social distancing, the goodness of being at a table with community. I wanna take more time to taste and appreciate the magic that is and forever will be pizza. Remember.
3: Pizza's a fantastic meal and it's a beautiful meal to share with others. We're all having a piece of the same pie. And there's something beautiful about that. And I think it incorporates and promotes family and, relationship people getting together
0: today's episode is made possible by so many of my people thanks to lisa for the logo jeff mark and jen for letting me interview you to stephanie and alexis for calling in to uncle tom for reenacting the pain of parmesan in my eyeballs with me and to lisa lisa chelsea katie karis joe jen uncle tom and aunt sharon for graciously reviewing my script and thanks to all my friends on facebook who told me about your experiences with pizza you can check out more of what I'm up to by following Here We Are on our Facebook page, Instagram, and Patreon by searching for Here We Are the Podcast. You can send me an email at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com, or you can call the storyline at 312 620 0567 and leave me a voicemail with a story that you think I should feature. Next time you're in Chicago, stop by Lose, grab a deep dish and an amazing salad. You won't regret it. Even better, order Lose Online to be delivered to you frozen. This is the glory of modern life. Until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds.